You're listening to Consider This, episode 294, for June 29th, 2020. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever, wherever, and whoever you are. Come on in out of the heat and spend 10 minutes or less with me. I'm Doug Payton, and this is Consider This, the award-winning podcast with my conservative commentary. If you have anything to say, I'd like you to say it here. Go to the website, considerthis.ctpodcasting.com slash feedback. There are so many ways to get your thoughts here, and that page will tell you how. That's CT as in college transcript. This time out, I'll be discussing one of the Supreme Court decisions regarding the Civil Rights Act. Let's get right to it. I want to start with a quote from James Madison from Federalist Number 62. The Federalist Papers were written to persuade the public at the time of the founding of the United States of the benefits and potential pitfalls of the representative republic that was being proposed. Madison was honest about these issues, and here's one of them. It will be of little avail to the people that their laws are made by men of their own choice if the laws be so voluminous that they cannot be read or so incoherent that they cannot be understood, if they be repealed or revised before they are promulgated or undergo such incessant change that no man who knows what the law is today can guess what it will be tomorrow. Law is defined to be a rule of action. But how can that be a rule which is little known and less fixed? Okay, so the modern paraphrase of that might go something like this. It won't matter that the people elected their representatives if those representatives write and rewrite laws such that they are incomprehensible and constantly changing. Well, with that in mind, I'd like to discuss the recent Supreme Court decision on Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. This section of the law guarantees equal treatment with regards to employment based on factors including sex. Neil Gorsuch wrote the opinion for the majority where he turns himself into knots by redefining the word sex to also mean sexual preference and gender identity. While claiming to be a strict textualist and originalist, he first acknowledges that the writers of the law would not have meant anything other than biological sex. And then he goes on to base his decision on something other than that. But here's the thing. Sex or gender is the reality of what you are. You have a specific set of chromosomes, period. When you speak of sexual preference, you're adding what you do to that definition. And when you add gender identity to that, you're adding how you feel today to that definition. So if Madison were writing today, he might warn as well that if the meanings of words change, that too works against the rule of law. Also, that change was not made by our elective representatives, but by six unelected justices. What's worse, this change to Title VII is likely to bleed over into how courts interpret other laws. For example, you may sometimes hear about Title IX. This is a section of what are called the Education Amendments, not the Civil Rights Act, which 
to be honest, was news to me when I was researching this. Here's what it says. Quote, No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Close quote. There's that word, sex, again. One result of Title IX was equity between male and female sports. But if the definition here becomes as malleable as the one in Title VII, this is the beginning of the end of women's sports. We've already seen uh, examples here and there where biological males simply say they identify as females and then go on to dominate the sport. This ruling will very easily be seen as federal permission to do that everywhere. Either we'll see capitulation at the local level, which Gorsuch guessed would not actually happen, or we'll get a series of lawsuits trying to clarify Gorsuch's lexical gymnastics. Either way, by redefining one word, he has introduced chaos while claiming to have given consistency. This is Eric Erickson. You're listening to the 10 Minute or Less Conservative Podcast. Consider this. But the worst part about this ruling has nothing to do with the subject of the case. Whether you agree or disagree with the outcome, how that momentous outcome was obtained should really bother you if you respect the Constitution. A ruling that makes a significant change to what the legislative branch of the federal government said should be left to the legislative branch, not the judicial one. To our elective representatives, not those appointed for life by whichever party was in power at one moment in time. Is that really a representative republic? All it takes is a five-vote majority to get your way across the country. If you really do care about the Constitution, this judicial activism should worry you and yes, even anger you, again, regardless of the particulars of the case. So take a look around. Anyone cheering this ruling without the slightest bit of concern over how government is being twisted can, in the future, no longer honestly say that they care about the Constitution. But, of course, the signs have been there for a long time as to who does and who doesn't care about the Constitution. The Obergfell decision that redefined the word marriage was cheered by most, if not all, of the same people. The Roe v. Wade decision, which created a right to abortion out of whole cloth, was cheered by the same group of people. Sure, a lot of people cheering today weren't even born then, though thankfully their mothers didn't take advantage of that choice that Roe offered, which is rather ironic, but the crowd then and the crowd now have something in common. For the most part, they are on the left. You knew that was coming. But how do you avoid it? If you respect the Constitution, you ought to respect the government it establishes. If you cheer when the latter is abused, you can't then say you respect the former. If the Republic is governed by five unelected people in black robes deciding what the law will say today, it's no longer representative, and it may no longer be a republic. You know who I blame most for this situation? Not those cheering it, and not the justices who voted for it. 
but rather the Congress that let it happen. Various bills had tried and failed to get the law changed through the people's representatives, so instead the left did an end run around an entirely undefended left flank. Congress could have at least tried to shore up what Title VII meant when they saw those challenges to the definition of sex, but they didn't. Those who skip out on their job are to blame. Those in the judiciary who get away with legislating, and those who applaud when they do it are worthy of criticism, a lot of criticism, but not worthy of blame. I've got a link in the show notes with other areas of law that could very easily be affected by this ruling. It includes religious employment, the housing of students, and the admittance to rape crisis centers. I really don't think this stops where Gorsuch thinks it'll stop. Let me know what you think. I'm sure I've missed something as far as what else this ruling will affect, so set me straight. And even if you'd think I'm wrong about this, I really want to hear your thoughts as well. Go to considerthis.ctpodcasting.com to get your voice heard here. Well, that's all for now. It's time to get back to whatever you were doing to pass the time during this pandemic. Of course, maybe it's podcasts you're listening to. If there are some you'd like to recommend, let us know here or on the Facebook group. Let's hear what you think is worth our time to consider this.